He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. I want us to come with reverence to the throne of God and ask God to speak to us. Let it not just be going through the motions, but let it be an encounter with the Spirit of God this morning. Hallelujah. Hide me now and Still know you 
into your presence and leaves the same because you are the one who makes us whole you are the one who takes our broken pieces and puts them together this morning I pray that only your cross and only your power and only your spirit will be seen oh God I pray that the glory of God shall be made manifest in the lives of your people I pray Holy Spirit that you will feel free to do your work in our lives this morning. Thank you for the anointing, for it breaks every yoke of the enemy over every life we presented here. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. This morning, I want to speak to you about daughter when you feel alone. Daughter when you feel alone. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And I want to honor my husband also. For making it possible for me to be here. For encouraging me and giving me instruction and being a covering for me. May the Lord bless him. And may I also be a blessing to him. In Jesus name. 1 Kings chapter 19. Are we there? Reading from verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also that he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree or a juniper tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel appeared and touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food. Forty days and forty nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And God said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu the son of Nimshi as king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to bow, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Hallelujah. Now, daughter, when you feel alone, there are times when you go through an experience or you go through something and you feel alone. Whether you are alone is not the issue. The truth is that you feel alone. Amen. Sometimes you feel that nobody understands you. Sometimes you cannot even describe the extent of the pain or of the effect of whatever it is on you. And sometimes you wish that people would understand you, but you can see that they are not on the same page with you. Sometimes through no fault of theirs, but they just don't seem to connect and they seem not to understand where you are at. And usually it is when you feel alone that you have thoughts of self-pity. You begin to feel very sorry for yourself. And you begin sometimes to think of more sorrowful thoughts. And therefore you go deeper and deeper into your depression and your sadness. I remember as a child that sometimes my mother would beat me. Then I'll be crying, I'll cry, she wouldn't mind me. Then I'll go and look in the mirror to see whether my eyes are looking swollen or something so that she will look frightened but it didn't seem to deter her and sometimes you just want somebody to say why are you sad why are you crying you know to bring you out a bit and we all have lonely moments in our lives Elijah Elijah had just gone through the greatest moment of his life and like I was saying on Friday Sometimes you endure such contradiction in life that you don't know what it means. And he had just killed all the prophets of Baal or Baal. One man, single-handedly. And he had slaughtered all of them. And God had shown himself faithful to him. But suddenly, the threat of one woman. He had killed about 350 prophets. And he had withstood Ahab the king but suddenly one woman who was not even the king threatens him and the Bible says that Elijah Elijah ran for his life everybody has something that they run away from everybody has something 
that frightens you. Sometimes it may not be actively in your mind, but it is something hidden. Everybody has a the thing, a thing, that when you think about it, you are not happy. And if you keep thinking about it, you will become very frightened. And everybody has something that they run away from. And what Elijah had gone through on the Mount of Carmel was public ministry. But everybody has private moments. And sometimes private moments of struggle and private moments of discouragement. And the Bible says, you know, there's a time for everything. Life cannot be one way. And I don't know why we are all so surprised when adversity knocks at our door. Because Jesus promised us that many are the afflictions of the righteous. Not few, not moderate, not average, but many. But the good news is that the Lord delivers him from them all. The Bible says that Elijah ran for his life. And Jezebel said that the Lord do more so to me if by tomorrow I don't finish you. He had a servant whom he could have been with. But he ran from Jezebel and he got to a place called Beersheba. And he wanted to be alone. So the Bible says that he left his servant there and went alone. Because he felt that he was alone in his struggle. After all, the servant had not been threatened. His life was under threat. He was running away from something. Sometimes you are running away from something that you don't articulate. Or you don't put into words. Or you don't describe to the people around you. Because you say to yourself, if I tell them, then what will happen? If I tell them, what can they do about it? If I tell them, what will be the difference? And that is when you feel alone. Daughter, when you feel alone. He left his servant at Beersheba. And he ran a day's journey. Now later he comes to say that it is enough. Let me die. If you really want to die, why don't you leave Jezebel to kill you? But you don't want to die. That's why you run. And it is very wrong to make important decisions in your time of desolation and a time when you feel solitary. Because you are likely to make wrong decisions. And you are likely to have a wrong perspective on life. And so you should not make important decisions at the time when you are at your lowest. And you say things that you don't mean. I regret marrying you. You cry, I would divorce you. You cry, I don't even want to stay in the same house with all types of things. And like Elijah, you say it is enough. Let me die. I'm not better than my fathers. You are just talking out of your pain. But in reality, if you want to die, you just stay. Because God has provided a Jezebel to kill you nicely and fully. But you are running and you are saying, let me die. It is a contradiction. And many times, we don't want God to prepare us for anything. And we don't want to go through any process because we are human. And we have our five senses and we feel, we feel pain. We feel disappointment. We feel uh, loss of expectation. We feel. And so 
we cannot live outside our feelings also. You know, and God understands. The Bible says he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. He remembers that we are not metal. Hallelujah. He remembers our frailties. No matter how great and how anointed a man of God you are, you can kill 350 prophets, but there's something that you run away from. Sometimes, as I was saying, it is an unspoken fear. Some people, you know, you look so composed. When we are in church, everybody looks composed. Your life looks together. Your life looks composed. Everything looks in order. But only God knows. The tumult and the thunders and the thunderings and the roarings that are going on in our lives. Sometimes we are happy. We say, oh, I'm happily married, lady pastor. But the only thing that I fear is that in my family, nobody has been able to hold down a marriage successfully. So it is something that you may not discuss, but it is at the back of your mind. It is a shadow. It is a fear. It is something that comes to you. So lady pastor, my mother died of breast cancer. And so sometimes I wonder. So in your quiet moments, you'll be looking for a lamp. So lady pastor, I have one aunt who never had a child. And you begin to see yourself in the mirror of that person's life. But you don't ever speak it. It is a conversation between you and yourself. Hallelujah. And that thing is something you run away from. Physically, you are here with us. But in another sense, you are running away from something. And it is always something that we fear that makes us run. And fear is a spirit. Fear is not a feeling. Fear is not a sentiment. Fear is not an idea. It may begin as such, but it is a spirit. And we must deal with it as a spirit, not as a friend. When fear comes, you don't give it a sofa and make tea for it as a fear. Let's commune. Let's talk. Let's discuss. The Bible says that we have to fight. You have to stamp out things violently. You don't just sit down and say, oh, fear, come, I've been waiting for you. I wanted you to discuss certain things with me. It's not going to be like that. Now, when Elijah runs away, he goes to sit under a juniper tree. One of the most devastating sentiments to have is a feeling of hopelessness. When you feel there's no hope, when you can't see any light at the end of the tunnel, when you feel that you cannot see beyond a certain place, that is when you lose your joy, you lose your peace, and you lose your strength even to go on. And hopelessness also is what brings on depression. And the devil knows that full well. But in spite of all that, the presence of God is with us. Because when Elijah sat under the juniper tree, he said, let me die. It is enough. NIV says, I'm not better than my father's. And after that, he went to sleep. Some people go to sleep when they feel alone and sad. And some people have restless nights. So it depends on which side of the divide you are on. But in that place, he went into the wilderness, the Bible says. And everybody 
has a wilderness experience now and again. I keep saying that there's no great person that God has called who does not have a wilderness experience. Sometimes it is the Holy Ghost that leads you to the wilderness. And sometimes you go to the wilderness yourself. Jesus Christ was led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness. And the Bible says that when he came back, he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. Moses had no option but to flee from Pharaoh to be prepared in the wilderness. Abraham was called to the wilderness, but with Elijah, he went there himself. He ran to the wilderness himself. And when you feel alone, you go to places where there's no life. Places where you will not be encouraged. Places where there's no hope. That is where you feel like running to. But you should not run to a wilderness. Hallelujah. You must run to where there's life. So that it will encourage you. Hallelujah. So Elijah runs to the wilderness. But even in the wilderness, the Lord is with you, daughter. As you feel alone, the Lord is with you. Sometimes you've gone to see a doctor. And they've given you a certain diagnosis. You are alone in your struggle. Just before I came, you know, I had to pay various pastoral visits. And I had to visit a family where one member of the family has been diagnosed with cancer. They say that it has spread. When I asked the doctor, what, 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 what are the prognoses? Oh, six months to one year. This is a beautiful family. A godly family dedicated to God, you know. And even in my frailty, I'm also supposed to minister to them. You know, so Bishop had spoken to them and all that. But with the house calls, I had to go there. When I went on one of the days, I went on different days. On one of the days, I saw that the wife's eyes were swollen. She had been crying. When I asked her, how are you? Sister Mommy, what do you do in a time like this? Why us? That is when you feel alone. You keep to you begin to ask questions. Why us? What went wrong? So we don't understand everything. But we know that all things work together for good. And she kept telling me, We are such good friends. We are so intimate. My husband and I, we are so, so if one is separated, what will happen? And I saw the children, you know, around. But I still have to have faith. Because I have to ask myself, whose report will I believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. But she said, why us? Out of all the people around us, why us? And I also said, so why them? Also. If you thought about that, then why them? I said, we don't understand all things, but we can believe God that something good would come out of this. You know, but she told me I didn't sleep the whole night. I was alone. And on one of the occasions when she went to the hospital, she even collapsed on her husband's bed. She collapsed. You are supposed to be giving comfort. You are collapsing. So they started to resuscitate her and all that. So she asked, so what do you do? I feel so alone. I said, you are alone. You are, in reality, you are alone in terms of what you are being confronted with. You are not alone because maybe we sympathize with you. But 
in the trenches there, you are alone. But God is with you. Because even in the wilderness, God will send an angel your way. Sometimes we as Christians are so work-oriented that we feel that it is when we pray that God will come. But many times, God does things without consulting you. And God does things in spite of your somewhereness. And God does things because of his mercies. The Bible says it is by his mercies that we are not consumed. Not by your works. Not by even your fasting and your prayer. But by his mercies, you are not consumed. Sometimes, you just have to fall into his mercy. Hallelujah. So the angel woke him up and said, Eat. He prepared the food on a cruise and gave him water in a cruise, sorry. And said, Eat, because the journey before you is long. Many people have cooked for me and I have eaten, even in a restaurant where you can't even see the person's face. But an angel, for God to send an angel to do an ordinary thing like cooking, should let you know that even when we feel alone, we are precious. In the sight of God. The Bible says one sparrow does not fall. That God does not know about. How much more? It says uh, two sparrows are sold for a penny. How much more your life? So Elijah is despondent. He doesn't call on God. He doesn't ask for help. He just sleeps. But God sends an angel his way. And the angel gives him food. And says that. Wake up again because the journey is great and you need to eat some more. God feeds us in our difficult places. And sometimes God will even in our lives use the verses that you learned long ago. You've forgotten about that message that you heard and you felt it didn't apply to you. In your time of weakness and aloneness, God will send the Holy Spirit to remind you about his word. And that will keep you going. So when I went to visit this family, they said, that, they said to me, we can't read our Bibles. We can't pray. We are, they have a lot of faith, but they can't pray. They don't know what to say. You know, so I said, one of the best ways to invoke the presence of God is to just keep worship music everywhere. Play worship music in the kitchen. Play worship music in the bedroom. Play worship music in the living room. It will just fill your house with such a presence that you'll be okay. And if you can listen to the message on CD, do. Because God understands where you are at. I'm not saying that they should sit in their depression. But there are times when an angel has to cook for you. An angel has to give you water. That is the reality of life. No matter how anointed you are, there are times when it's your weak moment. And the Bible says that Elijah went in the strength of that meat for 40 days. God will always strengthen you for whatever lies ahead. And God doesn't just give you one long lap. You know, 1,500, just run it. But he always gives you respite along the way. Like people who run the marathon. You know, you get a drink here, you get somebody to cheer you along. You will, God will encourage you, as I was saying on Friday, as you go along. So he went in the strength of that meat. And 
he went into a cave. The first thing was that the Lord asked him, Elijah, what are you doing here? He had not asked God that from here, where should I go? You said the journey will be long. Which journey? And which way? No, he was too focused on himself and his problems. And he felt so alone that he's now not seeking any direction from God. So God asked him, what are you doing here? When you get depressed and you feel alone, you walk in places where you shouldn't walk. You go to places that are not the will of God. And sometimes it's a long journey, but that is not what he gave you the meat for. It was for another journey. Hallelujah. You go on excursions, major ones. Major excursions. And when God sees, he says, what are you doing here? And instead of answering the question, he says, I've been zealous for the Lord. I have served you. I've pulled down all the shrines. And now, look at how I'm being rewarded. He doesn't answer the question that God asks, what are you doing here? He answers another question. When you are alone and you are depressed, you don't think normally. You think foolishly. And that is why you shouldn't make any major decision. I'm going. I'm fed up. It's over. Hey! When you come to realize, what happened? You were a psychiatric case at that time. And he's trying to say that. He said that all the people have gone against you. I have served you. He said, and he kept on using the word alone. Even I, even I alone am left. I alone am left. I alone am left. That's how he felt. But in the chapter before, when he killed the prophets of Baal, the Israelites said, we will serve the Lord. We will not follow. So it's not true that the whole Israel has gone. It's not true. The devil capitalizes on your weaknesses and tells you lies. And sometimes, for instance, when you are offended, you become very depressed and very angry. And he tells you bad things about people. And you believe it because of where you are. So don't you remember, even last time, she said that this, and that when you pass in, you see her body language. When she said, ah, it's true. Then you begin to compound the issue. And it is actually to lead you further away from where God intends for you. Hallelujah. And then he goes into the cave. And there's a mighty rushing wind there's fire there's earthquake but God is not in it many times in your Christian walk you will walk in strange places and you would think that God is not there but God is there it is only that you are used to certain places but sometimes God takes you into strange territory that you are not used to and we like to put God in a straight jacket in a box God, we know that if you will move, first of all, when we come, we will do praise and worship. After that, we will do worship. After that, we will take offering. Then after that, you will move. Then after that, there will be laying on of hands. And then after that, God cannot upset your plans. God cannot upset anything. He has to move in the way that you know. So when God moves through adversity, for instance, you don't see him. You say, I'm not blessed at all. You are blessed, but I am not blessed. Because we don't speak God's language. And as I was saying in the Bible, the Holy Ghost has come in the form of a wind, in the form of a fire. In the book of Acts, there was a shaking like the earthquake, like a mighty rushing wind, but still small voice. No, 
We are not used to it. So everything has to be shouting, powerful looking. And, but God comes in a still small voice. That's also God. Hallelujah. He doesn't always come in the way you expect him. But may you recognize him when he comes in another form. Hallelujah. As Bishop says, the people did not recognize Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Because he came in another form. That's what the Bible says. May it be that in the time of your visitation, some of you, you don't have beloveds because when God brought it in another form, you didn't see. And I see many, many, many sisters like that. Even in Accra, you know, I saw this brother is proposing to you. Uh, Somebody said to me, he's not deep. I said, but you, how deep are you? I am telling you, you are very shallow. So what is the depth? Ah, Sister, ma'am, even if I'm shallow, I'm deeper. I said, you are not. You are not. He's not deep. So you are looking for what? I said, what is depth? Is he committed? He's committed. Does he come for fellowship? He comes for fellowship, but he's not deep. I say, you, even your quiet time, when I tell you to share, it's a problem. Now you say somebody is not deep. Don't waste my time. But many times, the blessings of God come in another form. Some of us say, I have to marry this profession. I have to marry somebody in this profession. So when the person comes in another profession, oh, we are looking for this. Hey. Sometimes you say, the person has to come from this tribe. If it's not this tribe, as for me, I cannot. But you know, I said it on in Ghana, they asked me about tribal differences. Are they real? I said, it depends. Sometimes from your background, you know that it's real to you. And some kinds of food, no matter what God does, you cannot eat it. <laughs> some people are so steeped in their tribal background. So you must know yourself and know your choices that you make. It's true. But sometimes we are too rigid and we are not flexible in what God does. Hallelujah. I remember, you know, I'm sure you know the story that my mother said that I should not marry my husband because he's a gun. And all boxers in Ghana come from that tribe. And I'm going to be beaten to pulp. And I kept telling my mother, it's not so. And my mother said, hey, look at him, so lanky. When he comes, lanky like that, walking. No, 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 no. It won't work. And I said to her, look, these are not the things, even at that time, you know, I said, these are not the things that make for a good relationship. But if a person fears God and is, you know, committed to God, then you should allow. I said, oh, she wasn't so keen. When my husband comes and he greets her, she would say, but when the fancy boys come in, they go, oh, would you like some milkshake? Can I give you that? But a gamma, But my dad, the one whom I feared the most, because he was so strict. So I didn't tell my dad anything, you know. But when I was about finishing law school, then my husband would come and visit. And my father asked me once. I was shocked because I wasn't allowed to have even male friends. And by 7 p.m., when you call my house, my father said, why do you call my daughter so late? Can, I, can you explain to me why you call my daughter so late? 7 p.m., so I'm not allowed to speak. So even when I had a beloved We have to have a code. So my husband will let his sister call me. And then when I come on the phone, then my husband will come. 
But we had so many extensions in the house. So sometimes I can hear my father's heavy breathing. And I wouldn't know what to do. So my husband and I devised a code. We said, when I say coded, it means somebody has picked the phone up. So when I come to the phone, hello, oh, hello, mommy, how is it? Hmm, coded, oh, okay. So, <laughs> so later then, <laughs> but I had a brother and he, he felt that it was an opportunity to face my dad indirectly. So he, when he's on the phone and he hears that somebody else has picked it somewhere, he would just say, Charlie, can you hear somebody on the phone? <laughs> and then his friends would say, yes. He said, in this day and age, I wonder how people can be so primitive, foolish, out of their minds. You know? <laughs> and my father cannot say, why are you saying that about <laughs> Hallelujah. My point is that many things come in another form. (laughs) And we must recognize God's hand when it comes. So God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? And he asked him twice. And then he says to him, that go and anoint Jehu. Anoint Elisha in your place. It was a place of preparation for the next phase of ministry. And usually, when you are going from one stage to the other, it is actually and usually birthed in pain. Hallelujah. When you are a little child, you are okay. When you get to puberty, before you enter that stage, usually women will go through some pain of some sort. When you are a child, you don't have teeth. You've been sucking breast milk. When you start to teeth, you have running stomach. You have temperature. Why? Because it's a preparation for the next stage. Hallelujah. So we must see these alone times as times of preparation for the next phase that God wants to unleash in your life. And when we do not maximize the times of preparation, we lose out on what God wants to do. Some of us, we lose hope. Some of us backslide. Some of us, we have not backslidden. We are in church, but we are backslidden in our hearts. We have fallen from our first love. We feel like Elijah that God has disappointed us. And Elijah says, I'm the only prophet. God said, really? I have a lot of them. I have not bowed their knees. And so you have a part of the picture. But God has the whole picture. And that is why you should not trust in your judgment. And you should not trust in your understanding. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not, and lean not, and depend not, and rely not on your own understanding. Because your own understanding is different. Your own understanding is narrow. Your, no, your own understanding is not real. Lean not on your own understanding. The Bible doesn't just say, don't do this. It tells you what to do. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. Hallelujah. In all your ways, not some, all. All your ways, acknowledge him. 
And when you acknowledge him, you invite him in. And when he's invited in, he takes over and he begins to direct your paths. God sent Elijah back. He didn't let him stay there. He said, go back to another place. The Bible says that it was a long journey from that place where he had gone to walk himself to the place where God wanted him to be. And God said that when you get to that place, then anoint Jehu and anoint because he had a purpose for him in another place. But your aloneness and your depression and your sadness has driven you to a place where you should not be. And God cannot come in on your case unless he takes you to that place that he has prepared. And in that place, he will open the new face of ministry. He will open the new face of life to you. So daughter, there are many things and many times that you will feel alone. But when you feel alone, be encouraged that the Lord is with you. This morning, I believe that the Lord sent me just to encourage somebody. To encourage a weak heart, weak limbs, discouraged people, people overwhelmed. The Bible says that when the enemy shall come in like a flood. Are there times in our lives when things come in like a flood, one after the other, and you feel almost like you're going to drown under it? When the enemy comes in like a flood, don't be afraid of the flood. Don't panic. Hallelujah. Because the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. You will not be able to raise up the standard. Because the thing is like a flood. It's like a tsunami. It's higher than you. But it is the spirit of God that will raise up a standard against the enemy. And you must rely on the spirit of God to do that. We don't have to rely on our strength, our perspective. But that is where we make the mistakes. But when we feel alone, God will send the angel. God will prepare what you need to go through that journey. And that journey will bring you to what God wants to do next. Incidentally, Elijah said, let me die. I'm not better than my father's. Do you know he never died? Do you know he was just teleported to heaven? Because God knew that you are just talking. You are not normal. And many of us women, the drivers of our lives are our emotions. And it is the place where we have to tame ourselves the most. But the Lord will give us help. So that we will be able to conquer our emotions and become the women that God wants us to be. God bless you. Stand to your feet. We believe you have been blessed by this powerful teaching from the Lighthouse Chapel International. For further inquiries, please write to Lighthouse Chapel International, P.O. Box KB114, Kolibu, Accra, Ghana. Or call 021-249-871. That's 021-249-871. Email visionbookshop at dadwoodmills.org. God richly bless you. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. 
We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.